Sabrina Petrofessa. And I'm Lily Rugo, and we're Earth's Mightiest Fangirls. And today we're talking about The Avengers. It was released in 2012 and it was directed and written by Joss Whedon. Truly iconic, this movie. Yes, we say that about a lot of these movies, but for this one, it's pretty true. And Joss Whedon is one of our problematic faves, and we'll get into that later in the podcast and in later episodes. But for this one, he did a pretty solid job. We'll give him this one. Yeah. Oh, I didn't write a summary for this one. (laughs) That's what I should have done. Well, we just, we like... 20 minutes ago just finished it, so it's still pretty fresh, if you want to off-the-cuff. Off-the-cuff summary of the Avengers. (sighs) This ticking time bomb of a team gets together to take down Loki. Alliteration, guys! That was terrific. (laughs) (laughs) It's Tony Stark, Captain America, the Hulk, Black Widow, and Hawkeye. Thor. And Thor. Did I not say Thor? I did not say Thor. They all get together and they defeat Hawkeye. Not Hawkeye. <laughs> and they defeat Loki, who is also a problematic fave of ours, but problematic in all the best ways. Our Slytherin prince, as I've seen Twitter and Tumblr call him. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> yes. So I haven't seen Avengers in a really long time until today. I've, I've seen it multiple times, but it's been a gap. I think that's the same for me, too. Like, as much as I love the Avengers, and it's so important to the franchise, because it's the first time that, like, such a big, assembled, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Collaboration? Yes. A big collaborative movie comes together like this. Crossover was actually the word I was looking for. It's, like, the biggest crossover event. It's like the biggest crossover event ever. What was the tag? It's the most ambitious crossover in movie history or something like that. But that's later. Still applicable, but that actually comes later. But this is still a big crossover because, like, you still didn't know if these characters would have worked together. This is still a pretty big ensemble. Like, when was the last time you saw an ensemble this big? Yeah. Which... Just to get it out there, I I will give Joss Whedon the Avengers. He did a very good job with this movie and the writing uh, that was able to sh- kind of showcase each of these six characters who most of them were pretty well established that we knew, like, we're very familiar with Iron Man at this point. We now had Cap and Thor. Uh, the only, like, newcomer-ish was Hulk, but he did a really good job with Avengers. Listen, my beef with Joss Whedon doesn't start until Age of Ultron, so we're not going to get into it right now. We should mention very, very quickly that Joss Whedon is just, like, an all-around not-good person since it got released that he, you know, was sleeping around on his wife on sets with, like, the actresses that he was employing, which is not so great. Joss Whedon as a person, terrible. Avengers as a movie, good. Yes. We'll go with that. So, moving on. Yes, we got that out. We'll talk about it in the future. But right now, we're going to just talk about how awesome The Avengers is. And it was. So good. I remember I went to go see this in the, like, in the theaters. 
I went to go with a bunch of like my drama friends because it it was uh it released the same weekend as like our opening weekend for our show Ah. so none of us could go see it the night that it got released we all uh, or a bunch of us ended up seeing it um on the matinee like on the Saturday of our opening weekend um and we were dead after we left this theater it just was so crazy i cannot even begin to explain the emotions that were going through little like 14 year old (laughs) sabrina watching this movie for the first time where were you when you were watching it for the first time the thing is i don't remember like i have very clear memories of watching iron man iron man 2 and cap in theaters but I can't remember Avengers. I remember I must have seen it because I was super hyped for it. And I remember having a lot of conversations about it afterwards with my friends. Um, But I can't remember the experience of sitting there watching it. I do remember kind of what it was like to see that final fight on the big screen and just seeing that again, because we we just watched it. um, I had chills the first time you hear the like, the Avengers theme, Horns of Justice, with the spinning, and you see all six of them ready to, like, take on the world. Like, I always get chills during that scene. But, yeah, I don't specifically remember watching Avengers. I do remember at that point, Cap was my favorite Avenger. What? Yeah. Cap was your favorite Avenger? Between Iron Man's 2 and 3, Captain America changed... Like, the movie, Captain America changed my order for a little bit, and then I saw Avengers, and I was just like, oh, I can't decide, I don't know. And then I saw Iron Man 3, and I was like, Tony, ride or die. Y'all should see my face, I'm shook. I thought I told this to Sab, and I did not. There was, I betrayed for a little bit. I betrayed for a little bit. Alright, it's fine, you came home. I did. (laughs) I got back to what was important, our boy. Not to say we hate Captain America, because we do love him. We do. Our uh, star-spangled man with a plan. <laughs> it's literally what they call him in the first movie. In the, it's, He's the star-spangled man with a plan. Like, good thing. Good. Oh my gosh. It's so weird because there's just so much to talk about this movie, but, like, faced with, like, actually having to talk about it right now, I'm like, well, what do we even talk about? It's just, it's the Avengers. Yeah. It's amazing. Not according to the reviewers. A.O. Scott was not impressed. He, for the most part, was just meh on it. I think it's still just the general pessimism around, like, super franchise movies. Um, He, for some reason, this has been a running theme in early reviews of mcu movies is they keep comparing it to the transformers franchise because there was no other major superhero uh, franchise out at the time please don't compare it to transformers anymore like (laughs) there's not a whole lot there to compare i really don't understand that because the transformers were like all that it is whatever it's pretty it's a fun little franchise it's just not at all the same thing yeah so that was, I hopefully that'll stop after the Avengers. Like, I won't read that in War and Reviews. But yeah, NYT was kind of meh on it. Roger Ebert was meh on it. The only one who was really, like, as hype and who really dug it as much as the fans did was this Peter Tra- Travers. Travers? Sorry, I'm sure you're really famous. But uh, this dude from the Rolling Stone really liked it. And I, I enjoyed reading his review because it felt like a genuine fan who was willing to be critical about it. 
but also just go along on the ride yeah. finally understood this movie the loki appreciation was exactly where we're supposed to be i will say between the three reviews that i read they were finally like oh loki's a really good villain i don't understand why people don't like loki yes thor was not the best movie but Loki was like a shining light of that film. It was, or like at least Tom Hiddleston was a shining light of that film. It, he was so good in it. And you could see all of his motivations or not see all of his motivations because I was just like, Loki is a trickster. He's not trying to show what he knows or does not know at any given moment. The first time I saw Avengers and I remember everyone coming, because again, I skipped Thor. So my friends, before we went to go see it, kind of gave me a crash course of like, all you need to know is that we think Loki's dead. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then they had that quick scene um, when Thor comes down to Earth to get Loki. And he has, they have that quick scene about like, recap. That was all I needed to know. And I was able to just like, enjoy the movie from there. But because of where I came into with Avengers, I didn't get the Loki hype for a really long time. Like, I thought he was a good villain, and I thought Tom Hiddleston was a good-looking dude, but I did not get the Loki hype for probably until Ragnarok. I can understand <laughs> how that happens. Because, like, Loki is such a good villain, and if you don't see, like, his origin story... Because it's as much his origin story as it is Thor's, mm. even though he's not the named character. It's just as much as origin story as it is Thor's their stories are so intertwined and connected that like you can't not think of one without the other at this point even at this point and it's just the Avengers like this is their second movie together you can't really think about Thor without Loki and that like the two of them just have such good chemistry as like brothers it's it's impossible to think about them as a separated unit Mm -hmm. even if they're on the opposite sides of <laughs> the fight yeah there was also a lot of the reviews were saying like the action sequences of course were top notch for their game or for where they were but what really made it was all the dialogue because the sheer chemistry and talent of the main six plus loki like yeah that really did make a lot of it well this movie is so funny it is which is a theme with mcu movies is that it's actually funny and you have laughs while you're watching it and not like stupid laughs either yeah the mcu is known for being fun and funny and having those having those moments and we finally get to see that with all of the six of the team together because we all know tony's um a smart aleck and we all know thor is a little childlike kind of his humor just a little bit because he doesn't understand Things... He's got, like, that childlike wonder to him. Yeah, that just, like, good time innocence. Just experiencing Earth for the first time. But um, we finally get to see how all of their different senses of humors and quirks and personality traits first don't work together. That's a good chunk of the movie that we can get into of how the introduction of all six of them meeting each other. I thought it was done really well because it doesn't make sense that they're all not, all not gonna, like, vibe immediately. And then once we see it click... It is really cool to watch that transformation. I think the only characters that don't immediately click are Cap and Tony. Because Tony has a history with Natasha. Knows that, like, they had a whole movie together. Cap gets on the scene and is like, oh, hey, you're Natasha. Like, let's just talk. And they have a little, like, professional conversation. And Cap is also like, 
whatever. I'm talking to Banner. Well, I don't care about you turning into a giant green rage monster. I just care that you can find the Tesseract. Which is a bold-faced lie. He is very concerned about Hulk. He's just trying to be a decent person in front of Bruce. But, I mean, everyone is low-key very scared of Hulk. But, like, that was a bold-faced lie. Yes. Um, Tony just walks onto the scene and is like, I'm gonna talk to Bruce. Bruce is my science bro. We're gonna hit things off immediately because we speak a similar language. The science bros are my favorite. I love Bruce and Tony together. Yes. I love, I love their relationship because ultimately their relationship helps each other. They really are these weird outcasts of the circles that they run in and they can finally kind of click not just through science, but they click on a lot of different things in their lives and then they can kind of just, like, communicate through science. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I also think that maybe that's a little bit of us being like, this is stuff we get from fandom. True. We're projecting a lot. Yeah. This is, a lot of this podcast is projecting. Eh. We are really do. We are really watching the actual content and commenting on the real content. But let's be real. I have been on Tumblr since, like, 2000 and. 10? Oh, that's deep. 2011? I, no, I think it's 2011. I meanwhile have never tumbled. I just Twitter. Yeah, see, I've just been in, I've been in deep in fandom for a very long time. Um, so I have lots of other opinions that may not actually have anything to do with what is actually on screen. Yeah. But, but what we do see of Tony and Bruce is that Tony is very much like, listen, Yes, you are the Hulk, but you're also Bruce, and maybe those things are not so separate. Like, that, like maybe the big guy helped you out. He saved your life, maybe, because there's no way you should be alive after that kind of gamma radiation. And I think Tony's the first person in his life who's like, chill, dude. <laughs> like, not, you know, like, he's like, chill, dude, like, it's just who you are. Like, yeah. that's just, you gotta accept that it's who you are. And I guess you can make the argument that Betty was that person in the Incredible <laughs> Hulk movie, but also, like, did she even, was she even a character? Can we call her that? Yeah. Speaking of Hulk, we get the introduction of our forever Bruce Banner, Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> yes, Mark. He... We love you. Mark Ruffalo is our forever Bruce Banner, and he did... I wrote a note of it when we were watching, but he brought this certain kind of quality to Bruce Banner that, like, you finally realize how much he hates himself. Yeah. And it's so sad to watch. Yeah. You know, I haven't ever, like, lived with depression in a long-lasting kind of way, but I feel like that's what you're seeing in Ruffalo's Hulk, is that he's actually trying to show this character as a little bit depressed because that's not surprising if the, if he is and he is yeah like i don't think any single human being in this movie is uh 100% mentally stable no one is okay no one is okay yeah i still want to talk about how cap and tony just immediately don't hit it off i don't understand where that comes from like, I understand why it's there, because they have to create some sort of tension between the team, and they're the easiest two to create that tension. But, like, if Cap was totally fine with Howard Stark, why is he not at all okay with Tony Stark? 
right? I was noticing how a lot of it that, like, he is still very much in the mindset of, like, all caps, a good soldier. So the fact that he sees this, like, billionaire who I guess in his eyes didn't earn his position because I get I don't know how familiar he is with Tony but like I feel like in Cap's eyes to see this spoiled man child just walk in and assume he has control be, uh, command and control because he's always had command and control that's what Cap's issue is, is. and he uh, it doesn't seem like he just gets Tony like everyone else maybe not Thor and Bruce because they haven't met him yet but like Nat and Fury know that this is just how Tony is so they just kind of go along with it yeah, I mean, I just, I think it's safe to say that Steve has read Tony's file. Like, it's safe to say that he knows that, because he does know that Tony used to be a weapons manufacturer. But I just think it's weird that Hill, to his to Bruce's face, was like, I don't care about the fact that you're the Hulk. Whatever, it doesn't matter, I just want you to help find the Tesseract. And then, like, he is totally okay with working with Natasha and Hawkeye, who have questionable pasts. <laughs> Sorry, it was a spoiler. They have conversations at length about how much red is in their ledger. Well, how much red is definitely in Natasha's le- yeah. ledger. But even when Hawkeye is, like, brought back into the fold at the end, it's just, like, Natasha nods at him and is like, yeah, we can trust him. And Steve's like, okay. <laughs> like, okay. Come on. Fight with us. But, what? So you did takes you've not you have never met this man how would you not know if he's like still under loki's control maybe he tricked natasha who knows but you have a you're a-okay with doing that but in that big fight scene um you know when they're all just yelling at each other and bruce is like going for the scepter and they're talking about the phase two project which is to use the tesseract to create weapons Steve's like, well, I bet if they were still into weapons manufacturing, Tony would be all about this. And you're like, watching that scene again recently just kind of made me want to go, excuse me? Unnecessary dig at Tony, because if he really was paying attention, um, and he would have seen the whole news and press conference about Tony got kidnapped, Tony shut down Stark Industries, and like this whole unprecedented thing, because it was Howard who had started the weapons industry. The weapons manufacturing and yeah start. i mean howard is a part of the freaking manhattan project right um yeah so it was weird it did like slight suspension of disbelief you can like go with it just like okay it makes sense but in a lot of ways that like it didn't it felt like they did it just because they needed to yeah and i mean a lot of this is probably me being defensive because of how much i like tony and i just think it's unfair that he gets like attacked for things but he did, in fact, stop manufacturing weapons for years at this point. Like, Stark Industries has not even tried to start manufacturing weapons again. So I don't understand why Steve would just be like, well, I bet you'd be all up in this if you were still doing it. It's like, yeah, but I'm so sorry. The reality is is that he's not doing it. Yeah. So maybe shut up. Yeah. I will say that argument scene was really i realized watching it again it was really well done because a lot of argument scenes can get really messy and convoluted with especially with the six characters charles trying to like argue their point and stuff but i thought like between like fury cap 
Tony and occasionally Thor. I thought that was a really well-written scene. And then uh, we talked about it briefly. I didn't even see... This is obviously because of director's choice. I didn't see Bruce go for the scepter. Yeah. I, like, don't even know what possesses him to do that. You think it's Loki, but maybe it's not. Or maybe it's just that he's been in such close proximity to the scepter that it's been like, hey, I want to be used. Gamma radiation calling to gamma radiation. No. Maybe. Um, But also in that scene, right before he's going for the scepter, he's talking about... um, how he tried to kill himself when he was on the run oh and God, it's a yeah. heartbreaking scene and there's um while uh bruce is explaining it the camera goes to look at fury tony and steve and there's a moment when you see it on their faces of like it kind of registers just like how hurt bruce is but they also have this like slight change in how they act and i'm wondering if like that's the moment when bruce grabs the scepter because after he says that there's the Someone tells him, like, Bruce, put it down. That's Nat. Nat, yeah. I like that scene a lot. And again, I'm going to bring this back to Tony because, of course, I am. Because when once he says that, like, Tony's the one that looks the most heartbroken. Like, the most. He looks devastated that Bruce tried to do this. I also think it's interesting how Hulk can do that. I've brought on this conversation with a few other people before. It's like, okay, so if someone were to shoot Banner, like, in the back of the head, no one knew. Like, it's a sniper from 100, like, yards away. I don't know if that's a good distance or not, but whatever. Would the Hulk still save him? Or would he get shot? Because would the Hulk be aware? I'm going to say no, because in the instance that Bruce is talking about, he says, like, I put a bullet in my mouth, or I put a gun in my mouth, and then the other guy spat out the bullet. So in that instance, it sounds like um, because Bruce was consciously aware of what he was doing, so was Hulk. But in the situation you're talking about of attack from behind, neither personality knows what's happening. So I think if you wanted to eliminate Hulk, you would have to eliminate an unknowing banner. I guess. I always wanted to be like, yeah, because of course the Hulk is bored, so he's just looking around. <laughs> like, that's always been my thing. It's like the Hulk just probably is, like, always on alert because he's probably just bored. Like, he probably thinks Banner is the most boring human being on the planet. He deaf does. We're going to get into that later with Hulk, but he's he's so bored with Banner. Yeah. So, let's be real. I feel like Hulk would just be like, ah, that's a bullet, and then just, like, erupt. He would hear it somehow. Yeah. I mean, he does have, like, excellent hearing. Yeah. I think that's... He is a super soldier, just, like, on steroids. <laughs> on some gamma on, radiation. On green <laughs> steroids. Yeah. I wonder if gamma radiation is, like, actually green. Just, like, know. side note, I, like, wonder <laughs> where the color green came from. Yeah. Not that we know anything about science. The Hulk black widow dynamic in this movie i actually really enjoy Mm -hmm. because the way it's set up in this movie is natasha is afraid of banner there is no other way she doesn't care that banner's in charge she's afraid of him because natasha can go into literally any situation and be in control She can be in a room surrounded by people and still be in control 
of that entire room. She cannot control the Hulk. And she also knows that at this point in time, there's no guarantee that Banner can control Hulk. Yeah. I mean, they don't know that yet. And like, Scarlet, not Scarlet. (laughs) Natasha doesn't know that Banner is like in complete control of the Hulk at this moment. So I really like this dynamic where she's afraid and he's like, eh, you don't really need to be afraid, but I kind of like teasing you about this. Like in that first scene when you, you see the two of them together and they're talking and Banner yells at her just to see what her reaction would be. And her reaction is to pull a gun and to call in all of her reinforcements. Literally all of them. Yeah, they were surrounded by a S.H.I.E.L.D. SWAT team. Which... I mean, yes, those are whatever, if you're not sure what, where Banner is in life at that point in time, those are precautions you need to take, but that also really hurt Bruce. Yeah, it's such a good scene. Mm-hmm. I also really like that small little touch of Bruce is talking about something, and I think he's talking about things that he can't have, and he lays his hand on this crib that is like just sitting there. I just think that's a cute little touch where he's like, well, I can't have kids, and so he puts his <laughs> hand on this little crib kind of heartbreaking to see because i don't know bruce just seems like the kind of guy that would want kids yeah you can definitely tell at one point in time bruce wanted to have a little banner family yeah with betty i also like natasha's introduction to this movie you know just period her introduction period because she's surrounded by four guys who are trying to torture information out of her and when colson calls you know, one of the guys that she's interrogating from a chair that she's tied up in. She's like, these morons are giving me everything. Don't pull me out right now. And then she just 180 completely <laughs> just takes them all out the second Colson is like, Banner's compromised. Other Banner. Oh, Barton. Barton's compromised. <laughs> ah, sorry. Yeah. I love that scene too because it's opened... Or you're introduced to it because he looks like, oh no, woman in trouble tied to a chair. Even though we all know she's a super spy at this point. I'm just like, how's Nat going to get out of it? Like, oh, like like that. That is exactly how she's going to get out of this situation. Oh, like she was in control of that entire situation the entire time. Even though the first time you see it, you're like, oh damn, like she's stuck. Like you think she's stuck. There's no way that she's getting out of this. And then she gets out of it and you're like, oh, Oh, right. This is this is different. There's a, there's almost never a scene like that where the woman is like completely in charge of the situation, even if it doesn't look that way. Yeah, because normally what happened would be like someone crashes in through the window, unties her, and then we see them both fight. But like she single handedly took them down. And I'm wondering, does ScarJo do her own stunts? Do you know? I don't know. Those were a lot of stunts but, in that particular scene, so I couldn't understand if she didn't do all of them. I think for the most part with MCU movies is that they all try to do as many stunts as they can. That would make sense. Like, I know that Chris Evans specifically is someone who does like almost all of his stunts, um, specifically because they're... Uh, <laughs> I think this is really funny. They tried to find him a stunt double for, like, running scenes specifically. Oh, yeah. But the way that he runs is so specific, no one could copy it. Because of his years as dan- of dance training. Yeah, apparently he, like, runs like a dancer. And I've, I, every time I see him run, I try to, like, see it, but I can't tell. But every time someone has, like, tried to copy him, <laughs> it doesn't work. 
So they literally, he just has to do his own stunts. But apparently he's also like just very fast. He has to slow down for the people that he's chasing. <laughs> I mean, it's to keep in time. That he's not at, like he's going too fast for them. <laughs> and I think that's really funny too. But whatever. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. So great introduction to Nat. This is also the 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 film where the twelve percent joke happens with Pepper and Tony. We finally see them together. Re- yes, together, together. In case you can't tell, we are huge Pepper Tony fans. Pepperoni. And- <laughs> That's literally their ship name. It's Pepperoni. I, know it is. I forgot it. Um, I love it so much. It's so great. Yeah. So we see, finally see them together. Because like our introduction to Tony in this movie is with Stark Tower, which we all thought was gonna be Avengers Tower, but no one gave that to us. The closest we got was the end. Was at the end when all of the letters fell out except the A. But I'm still mad. That's supposed. Hmm. Whatever. <laughs> I'll get into it after we finish talking about Pepper and Tony. But we get the introduction. They're hanging out, and Tony's like. This is our baby. You get at least 12% of it. <laughs> and Pepper just keeps throwing that number back at him. It's like, yeah, I'm getting like 12% of a moment. <laughs> and then our beloved Coulson. Coulson comes in and interrupts a moment <laughs> that could have turned into something more between Pepper and Tony. And it's such a fun, fun scene. Coulson, because he started out in the OG, he was in Iron Man 1. You, you kind of, or at least I forgot... That he is good friends with Pepper, at least. And he's like... That was brand new information in this movie, though. But, like, no one thought that they were friends. But you can tell that, like, the three of them are more familiar with each other than the others. Because, like, he literally just kind of, like, sees Thor once or twice. He has no contact, obviously, with Cap. Because most of that movie... But, Mm -hmm. um... Yeah, you... This movie kind of reminded me that, like, oh, yeah, these three go back. Yeah. I, like... I just like that whole scene from Pepper calling him Phil to Tony going, nope, his name is Agent. His first name is Agent. Yeah. <laughs> to Pepper talking about his girlfriend to, with him. Like, it's just such a little fun scene. I love Coulson. I love, I just love his little moments. He steals the scene every time he's in it, even though he's just like a deadpan agent agent he does nothing not nothing but he's just like he seems like he's just kind of there clark greg is so so good as colson so good <laughs> we're gonna talk about perfect cat perfect casting yes there's rdj and tom hiddleston but like clark greg don't forget clark greg clark greg wow this episode is just going all over the place we're talking about the ending we're talking about the beginning we're talking about all random little aspects but it's just so hard to talk i feel it's so weird how hard it is to talk about this movie yeah i feel like we can't really do lin- in a linear fashion. Yeah, because there's just so many aspects to it. There's so many threads that they had to tie together. Yeah. There is a point where you're starting to see it happen. Um, and then some, uh, some, some fight scenes go down. And every fight scene is just so fun. Right? It's I think hype. especially between Thor and Hulk. Because they're the only two characters who are equally matched. So that first scene, like that first fight with Thor and Hulk is so great. And I love when Hulk tries to pick up the hammer. I forgot about that. This is the fight in the hangar. Like they're, un- they're still in the like they're air still, base. They're still there. And Hulk's trying to pick up the hammer because they're fighting. And 
he's just like, well, Hulk's just, I'm assuming that Hulk sees this weapon that's actually able to hurt him. He's like, yeah, I'm going to take that. But he can't. Yeah. Which we were also discussing, I don't know, tweet us what you think. In Thor, uh, in Thor, Thor just puts the hammer down on Loki like a paperweight. So Sab asked, can he do that to Hulk? Can he just, if Hulk would stay still long enough, can he just like drop it on him and pin him? Yeah. I he think should. he could have. I think it, if Thor just actually got him on his back for like a hot sec, he could have just dropped the hammer down and that the fight would end right there. I think Hulk <laughs> would hate him forever after that. Because <laughs> he paperweighted him. Yeah. But I think it would have been possible. I agree. I would agree. Um, and then later we see them fight with each other. And it still ends. <laughs> Iconic. Yeah. With, they're like, okay, fight over. We're, they're just like standing in Grand Central Terminal. And Hulk just punches <laughs> Thor out of frame. He doesn't even look at him. He just throws a side punch. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. It's such a good scene. Hulk is so great in this movie. Yeah. And like, speaking of just Hulk... They do Hulk so much better in this movie. They do him justice in this. They really do. Like, from... It's so weird. We see Hulk before the final battle. Like, he comes out and, like, fights, whatever. But for me, when I think about this movie, the first time you really see Hulk is at the end, in the final scene, or in the in the final fight, when Banner rolls up on that motorcycle... <laughs> And goes, that's my secret cap, I'm always angry, and then becomes the Hulk. It's the Hulk smash of the century. That is one of the best scenes in the movie. And, like, I've seen that scene gift and, like, photoed and, like, in the trailer. Like, it really is. That's the Hulk smash of the century. That's... Yeah. It's such a momentous scene where I literally think in the theater when I was watching this movie... When Steve's like, it's a good time to be angry right now. And Hulk's just like, or Banner's just like, that's my secret. I'm always angry. I think everyone I was with and everyone in that theater literally was like, oh! <laughs> like, because it's such like a reveal. You realize in that moment, oh, like, Banner's been in control this entire time. Yeah, I think that like, all the people I was with probably started applauding. When he, when his punch landed. Yeah. But it was so, so cool. And the timing of it was so great. Like, I think that the pacing of this movie is so good. There's never a scene where you're like, is this over yet? Yeah. You never are watching and you're like, Ugh, like, this has just been dragging, whatever. It's it, none of it. You're just watching the whole movie and it scenes end exactly when they're supposed to end. And it just is so, it's so good. It's so good. I don't even have any other words. I should be more articulate than this. But all I can say is, ah, like, how awesome is this movie? It was. It's so good. Also, going back to Hulk, Joss Whedon, or whoever else helped him write this, figured out how to get a good Hulk smash in here without making everything terrible. And random. Because, and yeah. it wasn't even Hulk who said it. Right? That was the best part. This is the best part. It was Cap. Le going like, all right, you do this, you do that, you do that. Hulk, smash. That 
that's what we needed. That's what the fans needed. That was the best way to get that iconic Hulk smash line in without making it terrible. And honestly, I think the best way... Hulk speaks. He doesn't speak a lot, but he speaks. And I think it was so great to pass that line off to someone else and that for when Hulk does speak, it was actually to Loki mocking him. (laughs) The one thing or the one time I thought like Tom Hiddleston's Loki was like weakest performance I'm using air quotes was his conversation with Hulk because like we see him have those kind of like it wasn't even a conversation it was just me it was just him going stop it yeah but like his little outburst I thought was the weakest moment of Loki because we've seen him be so regal everything up until that point which like makes sense whatever he's gonna break blah blah but really I thought it was more of he was just getting he was the straight man to Hulk's punchline literally and figuratively yeah so like I'm okay with, like, that one scene not being Tom Hiddleston's best in the whole movie because it's just watching Hulk wipe the floor with Loki. Literally using him as a rag doll. <laughs> Incredible. Yes. But also kind of, like, talking about Loki goading, goading people on. His little conversation with Tony earlier on, I thought that was a really good... In the tower? Yeah. Pitting of wits because they're they're pretty similar, the two of them, I think. I think... Uh... You're right, like, with the wit part, like, they're very quick, silver, they're silver-tongued, right? <laughs> yep. That's the, the phrase? They both have, like, they're both silver-tongued, and they both are probably a match for intelligence, in a way. So I think that it was a really good scene. But also, speaking of that scene, Tony lists everyone but himself to be like, well, we do have two, two spies, a super soldier... And a Hulk. But he doesn't listen Oh, and, his, and Thor. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. Like a demigod. Starts, he starts ticking Loki off by listing Thor first. And he's like, we've got a demigod, two super spies, a super soldier, and we have a Hulk. Never, never forget that line. We yeah. have a Hulk. But then that's when Loki throws him out the window? Well, it's another com- great comedic time because he's like, well, what are they all going to do when they have to fight you? And he brings his scepter to Tony's chest and you hear that metallic kink because he can't get, he can't do the mind control thing on the arc reactor. And he's like, this normally works. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he just throws him out the window. I also love that scene because um, that's like such a typical thing to do in these kind of movies is have one of the main characters turn on the other against their will. And it was like, which, you know, happened with Hawkeye, but like, that's not the same thing, I don't think. Because we didn't have they the same emotional attachment to Hawkeye that we did at I don't with even Tony think it's point. that. I think it's like when it happened in the movie. Usually that's like a very climactic move. Oh. Like, it, it happens later on in the film. With Hawkeye, it was more of a, like, oh no, that happened. It was right from the get go. Yeah, and it's right from the get go. And for him, that, the, climactic move is to reverse that and become a part of the team and they weren't a team yet like they but now that they are a team it would be disappointing to see him have to fight them but he turned it on the head and they're like "Mm -mm, no we're not doing that but we're gonna like think that you're gonna make you think that we're gonna do that because i think i was watching that scene and when he was about to like do that i was like no 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 and then like you hear the clink and you're like yes Yes! Again, so excited. um, Again, with the great like sound effects because like when you hear that clink, you're just like, the arc reactor. Yeah, (laughs) it's a good moment. Like you wouldn't think that 
it wouldn't work, but yeah. then it didn't work. It was so good. It was so good. But back to my original point about how, like, he lists everyone but himself. So he gets thrown out the window. The awesome, awesome suit, like, yeah. catches him midair. That's when we first start seeing um, variations. self-assembling suits. Yeah. Where, yeah. like, more intense variations of the suit. And then he comes back and he goes, there's one more person you pissed off. Pause. His name was Phil. And watching it this time, I'm wondering if Tony was actually referring to himself, but saying, like, his name was Phil. Like, to be like, that's why I'm mad at you. Maybe. I really do feel like he was doing that for Coulson. I know that he was, I think he was doing it for Coulson, but I, in my mind, not in my mind, but like in that moment when I was watching it this time, because literally you're watching this movie, you know, like 20 minutes ago, not 20 minutes ago, but like it, <laughs> it's been a while at this point, but um, we were watching the movie and that scene happened and I went, oh wait, like I, I said something out loud because that thought like came to my mind. Um, but you know, like it's not, an unusual thing for a movie character like when they're trying to seek revenge in that last moment they're like his name was or like their name was or I'm doing this for right so maybe in that moment it's Tony going you pissed me off his name was Phil like that was my friend I see what you're saying yeah which this this isn't even a spoiler we all know this Phil Coulson dies he gets stabbed through through the heart via the back by Loki's scepter thing, and that is the death that spurns the team to, like, rally around a cause, and there's a moment, like, again, like I was saying earlier, when you kind of realize that, like, Tony and Coulson kind of go back, because they're OG, you you do see that this death affects him, you know? I also love fanboy Phil in this. He's, Coulson is the best. He He loves all of us. Yes. He is all of us, because in that first scene with Cap, He's like, I watched you while you slept. And you're like, that's <laughs> creepy. That's some Edward Cullen stuff. Like, mm, I don't know if it's okay. But it's really funny. It's so genuine when he says it because, like, it kind of makes sense, like, why he would be in the room when they brought Cap off the ice. Out yeah. Of but, like, it comes out like, I watched you sleeping. Yeah, I was watching you sleep. <laughs> so creepy, but it's so funny. And, like, he's just... God help me if I was ever in a situation with someone where I had, like, trading cards of them. (laughs) I don't think I would be like, they're vintage. (laughs) Took me a long time to collect them. Especially to a person who literally did not know he had trading cards. Fanboy Coulson is the greatest. The one thing I do, like, this movie had to go so smoothly and it was very well produced start to finish. I feel like there wasn't as much space for um, the improv that we've kind of little bit come to appreciate yeah like it was deaf funny but it was all scripted like we knew so i have read that rdj is actually really bad at memorizing scripts that sometimes he needs like earpieces for people to feed him his lines which is so sad to me but at the same time like i don't care you do you like you're such a good actor i don't care but you know he i think like a lot of his lines just generally are ad-libbed just because of the way that he is is that he just kind of is like you know like i'm just gonna mess around you know like i'm just gonna say what i want to say 
Um, like, you know, that scene where they're in the lab and he's got the blueberries. Those were not in the scene. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. just wanted to be eating. So he brought in a bag of blueberries and just started offering it <laughs> in the scene and, like, was eating. I love that. And they, the other actors acted naturally to it. Also, one of the reviews did mention the iconic, like, what are you without the suit? And his answer, billionaire, pl- bleh, billionaire playboy philanthropist. That uh, also, there's so, I, I, iconic is my go-to word, but, like, that one is truly, like, chef's kiss, like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> is there, there's not another word there, though, right? I just do that wrong. It's billionaire playboy. I feel like there's another one. Inventor? Genius billionaire playboy ah, philanthropist. See, I knew I was ge- let's genius billionaire playboy philanthropist. Yeah. Also, I believe Duh, that's... how did we forget genius? I also like to believe that well, that is... Well, I just had to look that up, sorry. You like <laughs> um, how what? I feel like that is also his, like, identifying order. Like, in this order, Tony Stark is a genius, a billionaire, a former playboy, and a philanthropist. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is not wrong. Boot. Oh, can we can we talk about that first scene between Cap Tony and Loki in Germany? Because I don't even care about Cap Tony and Loki in that scene. I really don't. I really don't. I care about that one little old man who just stood up and was like, "I'm not kneeling to you." Because I love that scene so much. Because every time I see that, it just makes me go, oh, like, you are Jewish. Like, you were there in the 1940s. Like, you probably dealt with Hitler. Not, like, dealt with Hitler, but, like... Lived with that. You lived during that time, definitely. Like, it makes me think that. And I love that scene so much. Because when he's like, nope, I'm not going to kneel to you. I'm not going to kneel to men like you. Oh, there's no men like me. There are always men like you. Oh, so good. So powerful. I cannot get over that scene. Every time I watch it, it just makes me go like, like hand on heart. (laughs) I cannot get over it. And then Cap comes down to save him last second. And is like, you know, last time I was in Germany and a man was asking everyone to kneel. We didn't get along. I just think it's so like, I feel like because of the entrance of Cap right after that and that line, it makes it very clear that, yes, this man was probably one of the... Like, definitely, probably, you can't really say for sure. And I don't think it was ever confirmed. But, you know, that he was maybe a Holocaust survivor. But I love that. I love that scene. It was a really good one. Like, it had, like this movie is so good at finding little powerful moments mm-hmm. for even characters that, like, that guy doesn't have a name. Right. But... He yeah. was still awesome. Yeah. So while we were watching the movie, <laughs> Lily brought up how some fans think that because Steve Rogers told Tony Stark that he does not sacrifice himself for the other guy, Tony Stark started to sacrifice himself more yeah, after this is, that confrontation. Yeah, this was something... I do... Yeah, I will give that, like, yes... Clearly, what Steve said had an effect on Tony. That's just the relationship of, like, <laughs> friendship bros, powerful speeches, ha ha But also, at the same time, Tony has always been willing to sacrifice himself. I'm- like, he literally almost died at the end of the first Iron Man because 
he was like, nope, Pepper, just like hit the button, let the arc reactor explode with me on the roof because I want Obadiah dead. Um, in Iron Man 2, it's not that movie doesn't lend to the same kind of sacrifice, but I mean, he was dying in that movie, so we're going to give him a pass. <laughs> we're going to give him a pass. And then it's the Avengers. It's the next time we see him. And what does he do when the propel the propeller right, yeah. goes down? He puts himself in danger to fix it so that everyone stays in flight. And then he brings a nuke through the wormhole in the sky. Ha! Yeah. So whatever, I'm sure it did probably get him thinking, but it was also like No, this Tony just does that. Yeah, this was always in Tony's nature. It's just not gonna be his first reaction if he can see a way out but he's never going to i can't listen nobody is just gonna like lay down their lives because they think it's the best idea of course tony is in the when he's in a situation he's like well how can we both survive this if we can't both survive this i'ma let you like live or i was gonna say or unless you are steve rogers and you're tiny and scrawny and you jump on a grenade i think that's probably what cap was thinking yeah that was stupid it really was like congrats cap but sorry i like cap no no no, no. i okay i (laughs) i actually really love that scene and so like that's the kind of person that cap is so seeing someone who may be in that same situation would have been able to i don't know override the (laughs) autopilot and i don't know maybe get into one of those other planes that have <laughs> like that were on the ship and fly that away he yeah. could have done a lot of things in that situation but he chose not to so maybe like that's what's going on there is that cap's just like mad that tony is someone who you know critically thinks that was another thing cuz tony like we said friends with phil colson great He's trying to grieve, and Cap won't let him. Yeah. And it leads to, like, whatever, a revelation, plot-wise. But he's he's grilling Tony. And it's like, You've let never him... lost a soldier before. And Tony, like, in that moment, he's like, We're not soldiers! Also, he did. He lost his friend Yinsen in the cave. Yeah. So, like, like just, just give Tony just 20 minutes to grieve. I know. <laughs> okay, and also to prove that we don't hate Cap, love cap in this movie he's so good i especially love how he gets introduced which is to his butt (laughs) the first time we see cap in this movie it's his butt and i just think it's so fun because even straight men were like oh damn when they saw that i think we saw cap's butt before we saw scarjo's butt that is true we saw scarjo's butt a couple of times in the movie, in we the saw movie. Cap's butt first. In the canon, we've seen Scarter's butt a lot. Yes. But <laughs> we digress. Um, I think Steve has a lot of great little moments in this movie. I love um, when Nick Fury approaches him and is like, well, I bet you 10 bucks that I could beat everything. <laughs> like, I, 10 bucks to say, I'm going to show you something even crazier. And... Steve's like, are you kidding me? I'm literally time traveled. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And then later in the movie, they're on the, the helicarrier. For the first time. For the first time. And Steve hands Nick $10. I have to say that the first, literally the first four times I saw this movie, I did not understand what was happening in that scene. I thought Steve was just like handing, I was like, what, did you owe him $10? Like, I couldn't understand where that was coming from. And literally, no matter how many times I saw it, it wasn't until I was on Tumblr and someone had put the two gifts of that oh. moment side by side that I went, oh! <laughs> like, I had literally no understanding of what was happening in those two scenes until I saw them side by side <laughs> like that. And I love Caps um, later on when they're talking, whatever, and someone says something about flying monkeys. <laughs> Thor, Thor is so confused. And... Steve is like, oh, I know that reference. I know that reference. I know the Wizard of Oz. Like, it's so heartwarming. I love that so much. And he finally gets this moment where he gets to, like, understand what people are talking about. He gets the joke. Yeah. And Tony is, like, rolling. Here's what I didn't like about this. Tony rolls his eyes behind Steve. And I'm like, dude, you, come on. Come on. You, you know that he probably doesn't understand how... You were like that when Tony was like that man is playing Galaga. <laughs> he thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. Steve was like, "The hell is Galaga?" <laughs> um, sorry, what is that? Maybe that's why he doesn't like Tony because Tony speaks in like pop very, cultural isms. I was gonna say that, and also very advanced science, but also mostly pop culture references. <laughs> yeah. So like maybe that's why he doesn't like him that much, but you know. Yeah. You just, like, can't understand him, mm. which is kind of funny. Other fun fact that I noticed is uh, for a lot of the first movie, or first half of the movie, whenever we see Tony on the helico- helicarrier, he's wearing a Black Sabbath t-shirt. Yes. And I'm just, like, good call, like, good wink to the audience to, like, Iron Man. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> so just to wrap up the episode, we're gonna, let's talk about, uh, how it ends with, uh, Hulk saving Tony's life. <laughs> Because you know how we were talking before about how Tony's probably the first person in his life to be like, hey, just, like, let Hulk out. Like, <laughs> just create that relationship between you two. Like, the Hulk is definitely aware that that conversation has happened. And because he's so aware of these conversations that happen with Bruce, Hulk loves Tony. <laughs> Hulk loves him. Because that's the first person that, like, isn't afraid of him. He's like, oh, I like this dude. I like him. Oh, I see him falling to his death oh no, I'm gonna save him. <laughs> like, Thor is gearing up to get him, but he's too late because Hulk <laughs> saves him. I love this scene so much. I think it just means so much that Hulk is so protective of of Tony. Yeah. I think it it's really important to see that, like, that what Tony says to Bruce has such an impact on what Hulk thinks and believes of this person, and that's why Hulk saves him. And revives him. Cause and everyone, revives him. Everyone was so close to like, oh, Tony died. Hulk wasn't having it. I don't understand. So between a demigod and a super super soldier, you would think that they would both be able to rip off the the thing, his yeah. like chest plate, and to do mouth to mouth, but they're both just like, ah, <laughs> you dead? Like no one even tries to check if he's breathing nothing and when hulk is like you're not doing anything okay i'll do something he just screams <laughs> and wakes tony up yeah 
Last thoughts. I love the after after credit scene of them all just hanging out in a shawarma place, <laughs> which Tony did in fact like stop. By. I noticed in the big fight, Tony gets like thrown at a building and there's a shawarma place right next to him. And I was like, oh my god, that's a shawarma! Like the first time I've ever noticed it. Is there a shawarma place right there? Um, and then after, just I love that after credit scene. <laughs> I think it's so great. It's so simple. It's it's another nice just little touch. Yes. But the first post-credit scene is our first reveal of Thanos. We will get into this much later, but yes, it's we got really the beginning of a really long game that M- the MCU is playing. Yeah, we got the intro. We thought they were just building up to the Avengers, and oh no, oh no no no! <laughs> this is the first drop of a very long game. It was just a huge cultural moment. This movie, and it's so important to. Marvel movies to comic book movies. It was the first time they were able to get all these characters together in one screen and say, this works. And it's just perfect. This movie is good on multiple watches. And I think that is like truly, that truly makes a good movie. I would agree. This movie changed the game for sure when it came out. And we'll see that onwards. All right. So that's been The Avengers. We'll be with you till the end of the line. You can find me on Twitter at the Sabrina Pet. You can find Lily at Lily underscore Rugo. You can find the podcast at EM Fangirls. And you can check out our website, earthsmightiestfangirls.com, for the podcast and updates. Please follow us. We would love followers. Followers are nice. Thanks to Dexter Britton for our music, Wonderland. And thanks to our editors and producers, us. Yay! <laughs>